Yo, 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 hey, 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 what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Dialogue Heavily, Heavy, Heavily, Heavy, with yours truly, Michael Anthony McMillan. Yo, so we are in our third chapter in the world of John Bones Jones, our mixed martial arts fighter who is the greatest of all time, or at least striving to be that way. He's finally gotten into the UFC had a couple fights and now we realize that he has another side of a story and we realize that he is actually homosexual and um he's you know dated somebody and things haven't worked out and he has a lot of different things going on a lot of different chapters going on in his life so i'm gonna just continue where we left off where um john has just slept with one of his closest friends his closest friend chow who seconds as a pretend girlfriend to his family and her family and um in order to get her in line, in order to keep her uh, where he needs her right now, you know, he's playing chess with life, he uh, he sleeps with her, and, you know, it's unfortunate because he's leading her on, but um, he sleeps with her, so now the next morning, he wakes up, eases himself out of the bed, and she's now she's all perky and up and making breakfast for him, and, you know, that whatever she felt the night before, she is not feeling anymore, she is 100% on board again just the way that he needs her but it's a little weird for him anyway he gets a phone call and um turns out to be his dad okay so here we go john where are you guys interior hospital hallway day john jimmy and tommy run through the hospital looking into rooms when at a corner john runs into dr james kilter the doctor patiently the doctor's patients go flying into the air. Shit, I'm sorry. Ah, happens, whatever. It happens. John and Dr. Kilter catch eyes, and immediately there is an electric connection. Dr. Kilter, uh, what are you guys doing here? I'm, says John, Jimmy in the ropes. What kind of question is that, says Jimmy. Dr. Kilter, sorry, that was rude, wasn't it? I must have hit my head as, I must have hit my head as well. What I meant to say is, did you guys need help with anything? The doctor and John connect eyes strongly again as John hands him the last of his files. Tommy, yes, we're looking for uh, Elise Jones's room. Oh, yeah, that's my patient, actually. Go down to the end of the hall, make a right, and it's the second door on the left, room 757. Thanks, says Tommy. The boys start off to walk. Wow, says Dr. Kilter. What, says Jimmy. Beautiful lady, your mother, I mean, says Dr. Kilter. The boys walk off. John looks back and sees the doctor still looking at him. The dude's a little strange, says Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Strange, no? No? The boys look at him and keep walking. Interior, hospital, waiting room, continuous. Greg, Jimmy, Tommy, and John walk in together. Greg, sit down, boys. <sighs> What's going on, Dad? Where's Mom? Upstairs. Now, Jimmy interrupts. What happened? Yeah, what's going on, says Tommy. Greg kicks a chair. Would you shut the hell up so I can speak, says Greg. All the boys look at each other. Greg continues. About a year ago, your mom came in for her routine mammogram, and already the boys are looking around scared. And, says Greg, she had a small lump in her breast, in her left breast. Shit, says Tommy. We talked to the doctor, says Greg. And he assured us that if we did a small procedure and got the cancer out early, mom will be fine. No problem. So we talked, decided let's do it. Get it done. Get it out. Let's move on. So we did. And all the x-rays came back clear for about six months. Yeah, says John. So the other night, your mother was having chest pain. So I brought her into the ER and they took some tests and Greg breaks down. It's back and it's metastasized. My poor baby. Tommy pulls off his cap. Dad, says John. Jimmy interrupts. Why didn't you why didn't you guys tell us sooner? says Jimmy. Your mother didn't want didn't want you guys to worry. That's fucked, says Jimmy. Hey, says Greg. No, Dad, says Tommy. That is messed up. Bad news or no, we have the right to know what's going on in our in our mom's It was her damn wishes, says Greg, interrupting. Alright? Guys, says John, what the hell are we arguing about? If that's what she wanted, that's it. It's over. Dad, what can we do now to help mom? Nothing, 
says Greg. Your mother doesn't want to be want to do chemo. She says if it's her time, it's her time. Wait, what? says Jimmy. Can't they just go in and get get the rest? says John. It's too big, says Greg. Everyone looks at John. What? says John. It's not that simple, says Tommy. John, there's a there's blood vessels and organs to get around, not to mention mom's getting older. Her body probably couldn't even handle the surgery. So we're stuck, says Jimmy. We just bring her home to fuck, says John. Greg cries on Tommy's shoulder. My sweet baby. What do I do now? All the boys look at their father. Interior, hospital hallway, day. John walks down the hall by himself and passes Dr. Kilter again, who notices him. Did you find your mother okay? What? Says John. Oh, yeah, thanks. She's going to be fine, says Dr. Kilter. Yeah? Well, that's what they said before. And look where we're at. She's a tough girl, says Dr. Kilter. John smirks and walk, walks away. Hey, I'll tell you what, says Dr. Kilter. Dr. Kilter reaches in his pocket and hands John his card. If you ever need anything, more information on your mother's condition, advice, support, whatever. Here's my personal contact information. Call me anytime and I'll do my best to accommodate. Cool, says John. John walks off and the doctor watches him leave out the exit before he walks away. Interior. Wolfpack gym. Day. John trains on the mats but looks spaced out. Rashad is in the office on the phone looking at him through the through the window. John is getting choked out, getting punched in the face while boxing. Finally, when everyone is leaving, John is sitting on the mats, head between his legs. Rashawn taps him on the back and sits next to him. I just got off the phone with Sean Shelby, says Rashawn. John, John doesn't budge. Rashawn top taps John again. Kid, did you hear me? Sean Shelby, high-ranking executive and matchmaker for the UFC. Yeah, says John. Rashad looks at John, puzzled. What's wrong? Nothing. Yeah, you lie about as well as I speak Mandarin, says Rashad. John smirks, but the sadness is all over his face. Family stuff. You want to talk about it, says Rashad. No, not really. You sure? Yeah, I'll be all right. What happened with Sean? I got two words for you. Yoel Romero. John smacks his teeth. What? Nah, yeah, Romero's fighting in a couple weeks. Rashad stares at John without saying anything. He is. He's fighting you. Wait, what? What happened to Robert Whitaker? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. What? Chicken pox. Rashad laughs and looks at John skeptical. Get the hell out of here. Rashad puts his hand over his heart. If I'm lying, I'm flying. And they want me to fight Yoel? It's the main event, kid. I know the UFC on Fox. That's new. I know UFC on Fox. That's in New Zealand, right? July 7th? That's the one. Wait, how long is that away from now? Five weeks to the day. Tell him I can't. Excuse me? Interior, John's parents' house, bedroom. John sits bedside to his mom. Oh, no, you're going to fight that fight. Mom, says John. I can't. Why not, says Elise. I can't take a fight with you like this in here. In where? My house? Surrounded by family? You know what I mean, Mom. John, how many times do I have to tell you about taking advantage of the opportunities that come? Yeah, I know, but Elise interrupts. I don't want to hear it, John. Okay, I'll do it. I'll beat him up for you, Mom. That's my baby. John puts his head to Elise's hand. Elise continues. I can still remember the first Muay Thai practice. You were so scared. I didn't want to get hit. (laughs) Elise laughs. You went from crying because you had to go to practice to crying when we couldn't take you to practice. Yeah, I got my butt whooped for a year, but you stuck to it, baby. This is God's gift to you. It would be a shame to waste it, wouldn't it? John grabs his mother's hand. She looks at him and he looks down at the floor. How are you anyway, baby? All right. I guess worried about you. Now, why would you... Mom coughs hard. Great. Mom coughs. (coughs) And Greg comes in quickly. Honey, I'm fine, Greg. You sure? Greg goes behind her, fluffing her pillow. Stop that. I'm fine. Greg goes back to the door. You hungry yet? You barely ate breakfast. Sure, babe. Tuna sandwich with the pickle the way you like it? Elise winks. Greg walks out. 
He's a mess, says John. Back to you. Don't go worrying about things you can't change, like my health. Yeah, mom, but Elisa interrupts again. Uh Uh-huh. God has his plan. God has his plans for me, no matter what you or I or your brothers or your father wants. And his hand, his, his mind is made up. And I'm okay with that. Doesn't make it fair. And since when is life ever fair? Guess you're right, mom. The smart ones are usually are. The smart ones usually are. John smiles and gives his mom a kiss. She continues. Now, I want you to do me a favor. There are two, two envelopes in that bottom drawer over there. John walks over and gets them. He's staring down at him. Now, one is for you and the other is for your father. Okay, says John. There will come a time when you'll need to use both of them. When the time comes, do it. How will, not, how, how will I know? Believe me, you'll know. Mom, says John. At least yawns and gets comfortable. Mommy's tired, baby. Tell your father I'll eat after my nap, okay? John puts the envelopes in his pocket. All right, Mom, I love you. I'll see you after the fight. Okay, honey, go there and do your best, okay? And don't forget to win. <laughs> right, Mom. John walks out. Interior, John's parents' house, kitchen. Chow and Greg are talking while Greg is cooking. I put paprika, I put paprika in mine. John walks in. Nice. To John. Hey, baby, how is she? She's good. Tired? Dad, she said that she's going to eat after her nap. Greg doesn't say a thing. He puts some eggs in the boiling pot of water, turning his back to John and Chow, then starts to chop some celery. John continues. Okay. To Chow. Ready to go? Sure. Let me go pee, says Chow. Cool. Chow walks out. Greg watches her, then looks at John. Your mom needs you, John. Okay. Have I not? Greg interrupts. She's sick. All you boys better tighten it up around here. How about you just tell me what you actually want to say, Dad? Boy, you better watch who you talking to me. Watch how you talk to me in this house. Yes, sir. You're flying to the other side of the world while your mother's sick? What are you talking about, Dad? She told me to go. You're her son, John. She's supposed to support you, even when you're being selfish. Selfish, Dad? All I do is train, and when I'm not when I'm when I'm not at the gym, I'm here. Yeah, but do you really think this is the time for to go lose some damn brain cells while your mother's on her goddamn deathbed? Chow walks out, Greg calms down. Sorry, says Chow. I'm living my life like she asked me to, Dad. Yeah, says Greg. John grabs Chow's hand and walks out. Inside hotel lobby area, John sits surrounded by a bunch of media members. Media member number one. So, John, what was going through your mind when you got the call to jump up to the main card slot? Short notice against a tough guy that was supposed to challenge for the championship belt. I thought my head was going to freaking explode, says John. I thought it couldn't be true, you know, but when that bout agreement came and, and it had his name and my name on it, I was like, shit, it's time to go to work. MMA, oh, excuse me, media member number one. <clears throat> Did you have any reservations about facing potentially the best middleweight in the world after the champion on a month's time? Is it enough time to prepare yourself mentally and physically? Maybe you should ask him. Excuse me? Maybe you should ask him <laughs> if he has any reservation about me. I'm the best middleweight in the world, regardless of who has the belt. I'm the champ. I'm the champ only has it because I hadn't arrived yet, but it's my time now. Media member number two. Speaking of time, you've been in the UFC for roughly nine months and you're already in the top 10. Do you think the UFC is doing you a disservice by trying to turn you into a superstar so quickly? And if you lose this weekend, do do you think that takes away from what you've accomplished so far? The UFC knows exactly what they're doing. They, the UFC knew they, what they had on their hands when they signed me. Also, the reason why I'm rising up in the ranks so fast is because I'm the only one taking these tough fights. I'm not delusional. I probably wasn't their first pick, but I'm telling you guys, in this sport, these guys ain't all that tough. They talk, they talk tough, but when it comes time, when it comes time to sign the contract, they fold like lawn chairs, and that's when I come in. John, media member number three says, how do you see this fight going? Again, 
gonna gonna have to, you're gonna have to, have to ask Yoel. Like Beatrix Kiddo said in Kill Bill One, that depends. How do you want to die? Everyone giggles a bit. We see Yoel Romero staring at John. John looks over to him. Yeah, you. You know I'm talking to. You know who I'm talking about. What says Yoel? Don't what me. That belt is gonna be a distant memory for you after Saturday night. Media member number one, John. So assuming you win on Saturday, you're going to ask for the title shot, right? I don't pick fights, says John. At this point, against these guys, it will be bullying. You'll see Saturday night. It's just plain unfair. All right. Thanks, John, says media member number one. The media members all start to file out, John. All right. Don't forget to bet the house on bones. I'll make all y'all rich. John looks down at his phone. There's a notification from Chow, a text. How's it going? John texts back. Good. How's my mom? Rashad comes walking to John. You ready? John looks down at his phone. Still no reply from Chow yet. Interior, fighter hotel, sauna, day. John sits by himself. Yoel enters and sits across from him. What's up? Don't talk to me, says Yoel. Cool with me, says John. I'm going to hurt you bad on Saturday, says Yoel. I thought you didn't want to talk. I'm really going to hurt you, John interrupts. Let's be real, Yoel. You haven't hurt anyone in years, <laughs> all right? Your last seven fights have all been decisions, and that's just the ones you've won. But, look, it's been a good road for you. You got some solid wins against some average guys, but I'm the guy now, Yoel. It's my turn, and you're old. You kids don't got no respect. Whoa. Who said, who said, who said I don't respect you, says John? Respect or no, I'm going to fuck you up, and you know it, and your coaches know it too. And after I destroy your chance at the belt, you'll be a journeyman testing the new guys that are going to chase me for my belt. Yoel laughs at John. John smirks. <laughs> you don't know shit, kid, says Yoel. I'm going to put you in your place. Now John laughs. Who are you, my dad, says John. John mocks Yoel with the funny talk. I'm going to put you in your place. You even, tra- you even trash talk. You're- even your trash talk is old, bro. John steps down towards the door. He continues, look, I like you, Yoel. I do. I don't really want to hurt you. So I'll tell you what, John pushes open the door. If you make weight and pass all your little steroid tests, I'll make it quick. Cool? Yoel looks like he wants to rip John's head off. Cool. See you, Yosmail. John walks out of the sauna. Flashback. Interior, cabin day. A younger John is under the covers at camp, looking at all the other kids dressed and playing around when the camp counselor and assistant Jason comes in. Counselor, all right, all right, single file line, boys. Let's go, let's go, let's go. The kids straighten up to a line, straighten up to a line. Counselor continues. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, wait, who's missing? Kid number one, John, counselor, John. Counselor looks down at his chart, then over to John, who puts the covers over his head. John, what are you doing? Get out of that bed. John shakes his head no. John, you're holding up my whole day here. All your little friends here are going to be real angry if they can't go hiking because you don't want to get out of bed now. Come on. Yeah, come on, John, says kid number one. Hurry up, stupid, number two says. Hey, 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 Ken Counselor. Language you to John. Now get up. Out of that bed, John, before I call your dad and tell him what's going on. John looks over at his looks over at his covers with his eyes. What's wrong, John? John gets out of bed and we now see that he wet the bed. The kids laugh and giggle. Hey, stop that. Jason, take these boys down to the mess hall and get them some breakfast. Jason starts to walk the boys out. Kid number one. See you later, P boy. The other kids laugh on the way out. Don't worry about them, John, says the counselor. Half of them are still doing are still doing it too. John just stands there, ashamed. Well, let's get this cleaned up, says the counselor. Later, John is dressed in fresh clothes, and he and the counselor are putting on the last pillows of the bed. When they're done, the counselor sits down on the bed and pats and pats it. Sit down, Jonathan, says the counselor. John sits down next to the counselor. Now, was that so hard? John shakes his head no shyly. I'll tell you what, if you can keep a secret, so can I. All right? John shakes his head yes. The counselor, you're so shy, aren't you? The counselor rubs 
John's head. John looks down at his shoes. I want you to know that if I want you to know that if you ever have any problems, you can always come to my cabin and talk to me, just me and you, okay? Okay, says John. I'm serious, John, okay? John shakes his head yes. The counselor looks towards the window as if he hears a sound then. It's super safe in there. It'll be just me and you. Nobody will laugh at you in there and you know and you know what? I have my own fridge too with ice cream. Do you like ice cream, John? John shakes his head again. Yes. I bet you do. Maybe we, the counselor, excuse me, I bet you do. Maybe we, the counselor, the counselor's hand is now on John's back. Jason bursts through the door and, and sees the counselor move his hand quickly. There is a beat of awkward silence. What, Jason? Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Tim, he uh, slipped on some milk in the chow hall and bumped his head. <sighs> well, he's okay? Yeah, says Jason. Then? W- well, he is bleeding a little bit. The counselor fixes himself and stands up frustrated. Jesus, I swear nothing gets done around here without me. All right, let's go, John. Let's get you something to eat while we're at while we're at it, huh? John, the counselor, and Jason walk out of the cabin into the sun in the flashback. Interior, fighter locker room, night. John is doing drills, hitting pads, doing short sprints, stretching along with other fighters. Interior, locker room, restroom, same. John walks up to the mirror, followed by an athletic commission official, and he stares at himself. You're the baddest motherfucker alive. You're prepared. You work too damn hard to fuck this up now. Go out there and show the world... You're the motherfucking one, all right? Let's do this shit. Two minutes, John, says the athletic commission official. Cool, thanks. Can I piss real quick? Yes, sir, says the athletic commission, the athletic commission official. The athletic, com- the athletic official opens up, opens the stall and enters with John as he pees. As he finishes, Rashad walks in with Cowboy. All right, all right. So the plan is we let him fight first, then we'll deal with this afterwards. You don't think we should just tell him now, says Cowboy. Hell no, it'll kill him. There's no reason to fuck his head up with this right now. All right, coach, says Cowboy. He has a fight in five minutes, Cowboy. Cowboy paces around. What, says Rashad. I think we should just tell him. Well, that's why I'm the coach and you're the student, Cowboy. Look, I have his best interest in mind, all right? Don't worry about it. I'll take I'll take the backlash if he's pissed. Just trust me. Cowboy looks worried. Rashad, you really think finding out his mom is dead two minutes before the biggest fight of his life is going to help him? John walked out of the stall with the commission official. Rashad and Cowboy stand there staring at him. Intercutting. This next scene will be from four different locations. A bar where Jimmy and Tommy are watching. The hospital where Dr. Dr. Kilter will watch from the break room at the hospital. Greg will Greg John's father will watch from home and Chow will watch from her her and John's house interior bar night the bar is lined with posters of support for John Jimmy and Tommy sit at the bar taking shots and chasing them with the beer when the UFC logo pops up on the television and everybody goes wild interior John and Chow's house living room same Chow sits on the couch with her cat in her lap texting when we see the promo of John's highlights she smiles softly interior hospital break room same John highlights are still playing when Dr. Kilter walks past the break room he comes back when he sees a glimpse of John on the television he sits intriguingly watching interior fight arena same Daniel Cormier Joe Rogan and Dana White talk in front of the camera daniel guys do you understand what's about to happen right now johnny bones jones yoel romero in that cage right now i'm so excited i'm actually nervous yeah says joe a young surging middleweight and jones going up against just a tank in yoel romero this feels like it's going to be a back and forth technical battle and whoever wins this is going to be going straight to the mountaintop daniel dw when you signed this kid less than a year ago a year ago, folks, I said that. Dana, did you think a year ago when you signed this kid that he'd turn into a star that he is today so fast? You don't, says Dana. You never know. 
when you sign someone if they're going to be around forever or if they're going to be stick around for a couple of fights then go elsewhere but i have to say i had a good feeling about this kid he's tough and calculated in his approach he's a sniper with good wrestling and jujitsu and just the best of of and best of all he's game you guys know how i feel about guys not taking fights well this guy takes fights under the worst circumstances. Three weeks notice, five weeks notice, doesn't matter to this kid. He fights through it, fights through it all and wins. That's why the kid is ranked so highly, so fast, Daniel. Yeah, so far, yeah, so and so far it's paid off for him. But now he faces Yoel Romero, who was supposed to be fighting for the title tonight against the champ Robert Whitaker. What do you think his mindset is? tonight after the champ had to pull out of the fight and now having to go up against a young hungry killer and Johnny that if he wins can spoil his chances at the belt well this is the fight game boys I tell people all the time this is a young man sport take fights make money as long as you can because it'll be over soon and I think Yoel knows that he also I think Yoel knows that and he also knows with a win tonight he'll make a boatload of money then also still challenge for the belt Daniel. I think Jones might have something to say about that, Uncle Dana, but all right. Here we go, boys. The main event, Johnny Bones Jones versus the Soldier of God, Yo Romero. The lights in the arena dim. Everyone is clapping at the bar as we see Jimmy and Tommy stare up at the screen. Dr. Kilter settles back in his seat. Chow claps alone while we see John walking out to the music. John high-fives fans while walking to the crowd. Daniel continues. The young man, the young man I like to call, I like to call him Joe. Born in Long Beach, California, Johnny Bones Jones fighting out of the Wolfpack gym. Hasn't actually had a long road to the top, at least not in the UFC. Nope, not in the UFC, says Joe. But yes, he had tons of amateur pro fights in the other smaller organizations that he, he's been a part of. He's really solid everywhere. I'm super impressed with this young beast, Daniel. But even more impressive is his ability to perform when the lights are the brightest. Here in the UFC, everyone knows it is different when you get here. And we'll see if he can prove that again in his first main event tonight. The lights dim again. Yoel music, Yoel's music plays and he walks out. The soldier of God, Yoel Romero, fighting out of American top team in Coconut Creek, Florida, by the way, of Cuba. An Olympic wrestler. This dude is no joke, Joe. If John can get get past him, I think he will get a title shot. Well, I don't think anybody could could deny him that, says Joe. If he beats the guy who was supposed to fight for the title, he should he should then be the guy to fight for the title. But that being said, that's a big if because Yoel might be one of the scariest guys in the division. Maybe one of the scariest guys in the entire UFC roster. I mean, sick power, phenomenal wrestling, and just a, a freak of nature. I mean, there's 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 guys that are 20 years old that don't have the physique this guy has. And he's 41. I mean, come on. Yeah, says Daniel. I need his dietician's his phone number, says uh, his dietitian's phone number, Joe. No, says Joe. Genetics did that, DC. The two fighters are in the cage and the announcer comes out. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Five rounds in the UFC middleweight division. Introducing first, fighting out of the blue corner. This fighter is a judo fighter with a record of 11 wins and no defeats. Fighting out of Long Beach, California. And the number five ranked middleweight in the world, Johnny Bones Jones. John John looks calm and poised. Rashad is is talking in his ear. Chow looks worried. The bar at home goes crazy, and Jimmy and Tommy watch. Daniel, does John look a little different to you tonight, Joe? He does. He looks a little cold out there, but hey, could be the main event slot, short notice. Who knows? He may go out there and run through. Nobody knows what's going through these guys' heads at a time like this. Jimmy and Tommy look at each other and then back at the screen to announce her. 
And next, introducing the fighter fighting out of the red corner. This fighter is a wrestler with a record of 18 wins with just two defeats fighting out of Coconut Creek 4 by the way of Havana, Cuba. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the number one weight middleweight in the world, the soldier of God, Yoel Romero. I can't wait, Joe, says Daniel. The wait is over, brother. Referee calls John and Yoel to the center. All right, guys, I want a clean fight. You guys know all the rules that I discussed with you in the locker room. Do I have any questions from you? Both fighters shake their head no. All right, touch gloves if you want. John puts his gloves up, but Yoel backs up to his corner. John goes back to his corner. All right, let's get it on. Daniel, oh, Yoel with the no tap. Yeah, can't say I'm surprised. John has been talking a lot all week, says Joe. Yeah, well, the talk is over. That it is. Here we go, says Joe. Referee walks out to the middle of the cage. Fighter, are you ready? Fighter, are you ready? Let's get it on. John comes out and immediately lands a one-two on Yoel. Man, says Joe, right off the bat with one-two. This kid just breathes confidence, Daniel. He just acts as if he's supposed to be here. That's true. And he have to be that way, Joe. And oh, nice body shot landed by John to Yoel who looks like he just ate that for breakfast. Jimmy and Tommy look on look on as the bar goes wild for, for John. Chow jerks at each punch and kick. Faint, John, faint, low kick, says Rashad. John faints, and instead of a low kick, he goes high, stunning Yoel. Oh, with a high kick, says Daniel, off the faint of Joe. Yoel is on rubbery legs. Off the faint, Joe. Yoel is on rubbery, on rubbery legs. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Joe. John swarming Yoel with punches. The ref is looking closely at, at Yoel. He's covering up well, but it might be over. Jimmy and Tommy are standing up, standing up off their stools at the bar screaming. Chow is jumping up and down. Her cat runs away. Dr. Kilter is standing close to the screen. Greg is staring at the screen. It's over. It's over, Joe. It's over. Bid... Big Dan should call this. Yoel is not defending himself intelligently. Oh, a wild overhand right by Yoel wobbles John. What a punch. Tie him up, John. Tie him up, says Rashad. John tries to tie up Yoel. Yoel pushes him off and now has John against the cage, punching him. Yoel's coming back with the vengeance, says Joe. Swinging hard. Oh, and another. Oh, and another one to the temple of John. Oh, says Daniel. The bar is silent looking as John gets punched. Chow is yelling no at the screen. Grab him, John. Separate. Move. Move your ass right now. John crumbles to the ground. Yoel follows him and hits him with two or three elbows. Dream sequence. Interior John's parents' house. John's bedroom day. A young John is sitting on the side of his bed with his mom. She is alive and well. John has his head down. Ashamed, Elise kneels down and picks his head up. Baby, what's wrong? Nothing. Now, you don't lie to me. You know that. Hold on, guys. Sorry. Now, don't you lie to me. You know that was a question I already knew the answer to. John looks up. At her in his face. I'm gay. Okay. After a long silence, Elise looks him in the eyes. Okay. You feel better now? John nods his head yes. I love you, says mom. In those dream sequence, interior fight cage saying we see the lights are blurry and the referee is kneeling over John, waving his arms, calling the fight. That was brutal to watch, says Joe. Yeah, I think the ref could have called that a little bit sooner. Jimmy takes a deep breath, looking at the screen while Tommy has his head in his hands. Another patron looks at the screen in shock. One drunken patron in the back cheers. Yeah, you will. Fuck John. The bartender looks at Jimmy and Tommy who are looking at the patron. Guys, don't. Before she can finish, Jimmy and Tommy are over at the patron fighting. Hey, hey, says the bartender. The security gets involved, pulling people out of the way. Chow at the house is in, in her chair emotional. On a TV, we see the replay of John getting knocked, knocked out. Then we see Greg and his lazy boy watching for a while, then turning the TV off and walking out of the room. Interior hospital room, night. John is sitting on a bed, staring into oblivion. 
Rashad walks in with Cowboy. How you doing, buddy? Says Rashad. John doesn't say anything. John, says Cowboy. The doctor walks into the room. Doctor, hey, boys. John has a few lacerations on the face. Your MRI came back clean, so no permanent damage. Okay? Just get some rest. Let that body heal, and you'll be back in no time, champ. Don't worry about it. Can we go now? Says Rashad. Doctor, yep, you're all set. Doctor hands Rashad some papers and then starts to walk out. Thanks, Doc, says Rashad. No problem. Hey, you'll get him next time, champ. Take it easy, guys. Doctor leaves. You hear that, John? You're fine, brother. Rashad. Yeah, already got something. Some things I think we can we can tweak for next. We can tweak on for next week. John interrupts. I'm done, guys. What? I'm done. I'm done with this shit. I've given my entire life to this shit. And what has it gotten me? A few more followers, some fucking TV time. John, says Rashad. John interrupts again. My mom is dead, coach. You get that? I can't go back and talk to her about this shit. I can't go back and talk to her about this shit no more. She gone. Man, and I was fucking here fighting some dude I can beat in my sleep for a fucking UFC. Fuck the UFC. John walks out of the hospital room. Cowboy tries to follow him, but Rashad stops him. Exterior, cemetery, day. It's raining. John, his brothers, and Greg are all sitting in front in front row of Elise's funeral. We see a picture of a young Elise. We see Chow sitting next to John holding his hand, and then we see Dr. Kilter is there as well. Interior, John's parents' house, living room, day. People are in groups, talking, some eating. John is in the corner drinking alcohol. Greg is talking with a guest in the corner. Jimmy and Tommy are eating at the dining table. Dr. Kilter walks past Greg, patting him on the back, then sees John. Is the seat taken? Says Dr. Kilter. John looks up, but doesn't say anything. Dr. Kilter sits next to him. I'm not good at this. John looks up at Dr. Kilter. At what? Talking to people when they're going through a tough time. John looks at him funny. You're a doctor. Yes, but I make a conscious effort to duck out of the room every time some shit is about to go down. John looks at Dr. Kilter for a while. What? John smirks a little bit. What? Says Dr. Kilter. John smirks a little bit. Good thing you're a doctor. Why? John takes another shot. Because your comedy career is going nowhere. The two laugh. Jimmy looks at John, then at Tommy. Jimmy looks at John, then at Tommy. We see Gray glance over in mid-conversation and see Dr. Kilter's hand rub John's thigh. I got you a laugh. I got you to laugh a little bit, though. Uh, I think it was a joke, my joke, that killed it, not yours. Chow walks over with two drinks and sits down in between John and Dr. Kilter. Dr. Kilter moves over. John. Chow hands John a drink. What's so funny? Says Chow. John and Dr. Kilter look at each other. Chow sees their connection. Nothing, says John. It, was, it wasn't it was even funny. Yeah, I shouldn't have said it, says Dr. Kilter. Said what? <sighs> Nothing, Chow. Jesus, says John. Chow looks angry. So, Doc, says Chow, do you come to all your patients' funerals? Dr. Kilter takes a drink. Chow, says John. What? Let the doc answer the question, John. <laughs> yes. Actually... It keeps me feeling positive. John blurts out another laugh that gets the party's attention. Dr. Kilter laughs too. Even the ones you misdiagnosed, Doc? Dr. Kilter and John stop laughing. We did it, Chow interrupts. Right. Didn't know that didn't know that you didn't get it all out the first time, right? Huh? Isn't that the reason why you were paid the big bucks or why you went to a hundred you got to a hundred thousand dollars in debt for school because you went to some expensive ass well, I said that wrong. You went into a hundred thousand dollars in debt because you went to some expensive ass school. Aren't you supposed to know better than us? Tommy Tommy quickly gets up and goes to Chow. Chow, let me buy you a drink, huh? Or two or six. Chow takes takes Tommy's arm and gets up, looking at Dr. Kilter. Greg walks into the kitchen after them. Exterior, John's parents' house day. John and Dr. Kilter are walking down the street. Sorry about that in there, says Dr. Kilter. For what, says John. The misunderstanding with your mom and John interrupts, takes a drink. Stop it. 
Whatever happened in the hospital happened. It's over. My mom's gone. And nothing can bring her back. I appreciate you owning up to your part of this shit. But she wouldn't have wanted for any of us to fuss over this. Actually, you want to know something cool about my mom? Or what? As much as a homemaker my mom was, she was actually like a Michelin star level home cook. The laundry chemist that can get a stain out of anything. She was a better shot than my dad with a rifle. I mean, no training. No military training experience like my dad. Nothing. No. No, really. Story is, one day my dad took her to the range on like a date to show her how cool he was, you know. Big military man shooting guns trying to express, trying to impress the cute girl next door, you know. Well, they arrived at the range and to his surprise, he found out she was a savant. (laughs) So my dad thinks to himself, oh, that was just a beginner's luck. I'll take her back and show her what's what next time. But sure enough, when they went back, she did even better. No, really? Says Dr. Kilter, yeah. Who would have thought this young girl who stood four foot eleven in heels could take off that homemaker take off that homemaker apron and put a bullet through your heart from 500, 500 yards away? You're kidding, says Doctor Kilter. How does she get so good? She never told him. But the first time they went over to meet my grandparents' house, he found out. Papa walked him into the living room one day and he saw all these pictures of my grandpa and my mom next to their catches turns out my mom had been hunting deer and moose and anything you can think of way before my dad even thought about being in the military wow she never even told him nope my mom always knew how to keep a secret dr kilter looks at john closely as john looks down at the ground they reach dr kilter's car hey so i don't want to be i don't mean to spring this on you right now and I know you're going through a tough time but John waits for a while looks up at Dr. Kilter what you think we can like um like hang out sometime what do you mean says John like you know whenever you're not busy and I'm not busy maybe John interrupts you mean you want to go out on a date uh well when you say it like yeah I guess Sorry, says John. No, 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 that's fine. That's, that, that's, that, I, you know, that's what I meant. I just, John interrupts. I've been drinking. So, is that a yes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, says John. Oh, all right then. Well, I'll, I'll give you a call soon. And uh, I guess we'll see what's up. Cool, says John. Maybe we can go shooting, says Dr. Kilter. John smirks. Maybe you should try your stand-up somewhere else. They both laugh. I look forward to seeing you, though, really. Me too, says John. Dr. Kilton opens his door. Did you want to ride back to the house? <sighs> okay, says John. John gets in. Interior, parents' house, living room, same. Chow walks past a few funeral party people on her way upstairs. Interior, John's apartment, house, bedroom, continuous. Interior, John's apar- apart- John's parents' house, John's bedroom, continue sorry guys chow looks around at john's old trophies and some old pictures of them when they're in when they're in high school she reminisces she goes to the bed and sits down looking out the window interior dr kilter's car continuous john and dr kilter drive along the street uh you could stop here says john cool dr kilter pulls over so i'll call you cool says john interior john's parents house bedroom john's bedroom Chow's looking out the window and sees John and Dr. Kilter pull up. She sits up staring. Interior, Dr. Kilter's car continuous. Dr. Kilter is looking at John. This is one of those times where you can't say the cliche thing like, I had a good time. John laughs. No, probably not. But I did have a good walk with you. Same here. And uh, that Chow, man... She likes me, doesn't she? The two laugh again. Then Dr. Kilter gives John a hug. They part slowly, looking deep into each other's eyes. They move closer to each other. Interior, John's parents' house. Bedroom, continuous. Chow looks infuriated, then leaves the room. Interior, Dr. Kilter's car, continuous. John gets out the car. All right, see you soon. 
I hope so, says Dr. Kilter. Dr. Kilter drives off. John waves by. John looks at his phone and sees 15 missed calls and texts from Jimmy and Tommy. Asking where he is, John closes his phone and walks to the house. Exterior, John's parents' house continues. John is in earshot hearing yelling. John runs to the through runs to the front door and opens it. Greg is in the kitchen yelling and the whole funeral party is quiet. Jimmy walks fast to John with Tommy behind him. Interior, John's parents' house, living room continues. John, what the fuck are you doing here? Didn't you didn't you get my text? What? No, says John. I didn't even look at him. I was right outside. Get that faggot out of my fucking house, says Greg. John looks terrified. What happened? Tommy pulls out his phone and there is a video of John kissing Dr. Kilter on social media. There are already memes of John kissing fighters and thousands of views. What the fuck is this? Says John. John must have caught you outside with the doctor, dude. Posted this shit. This shit is everywhere already. I think you should go, bro, says Tommy. Jimmy, yeah, this is a lot for dad. A lot for him? Says John. Are you fucking kidding me? Greg comes out of the kitchen and looks at John. Get the hell out of my house. You heard me. No. What? Says Greg. Greg storms towards John. Jimmy and Tommy get in the way, holding him back. This is my house too, says John. Your house? Yeah, and mom's. Well, she ain't here no more, and your ass better not ever come back here, neither. Why, Dad? Because I'm gay? Says John. Everybody looks around at each other. Even Jimmy and Tommy look at John. Huh? Huh? Says John. Yeah, I said it. I'm gay. I like boys, men, whatever. You're not my son, says Greg. You know what, Dad? Says John. I don't give a fuck. If I'm not your son no more, do you know how hard it is to suppress who you are every single day of your life, huh? In fear that people you love the most won't love you anymore? John, says Jimmy. John interrupts. What, Jimmy? You expect me to think you guys would have accepted me as your gay baby brother when when you've been hearing that bigoted, brainwashing, homophobic shit since you were kids? Please. The only one who ever took up for me was mom, and now she's gone. Greg, Jimmy, and Tommy look at John. John finally looks around at everyone, knowing what he has done and said. Am I so bad, Dad? Your son, your baby boy, that you pushed the most to be the best I can be. The state champion wrestler, the MMA fighter. Does all that that I accomplished change because of who I want to love? Greg breaks free from Jimmy and Tommy and goes to John. You were never my son. Greg walks out. Jimmy and Tommy and the rest of the funeral party are look at John, who look embarrassed. Then John walks away. All right. Yeah. All right, guys. So that is going to be it for the third episode of GOAT, Greatest of All Time. I hope you liked it. There is just so much going on. Could you imagine you being the best at what you do? Then... You know, he already uh, John already has this emotional turmoil from not being true to himself. And it took his mother's death for him to stand up to his father. Right. But could you imagine, you know, let's say you go into a job interview or if you're an actor like I am, you going on to on the most biggest, most emotional audition that you, you know, that you can never go on or like him as a fighter, the biggest fight of his life. Only to two seconds before you go on and, and and expected to perform at this high level, you find out that one of the people, your biggest support system, whether it be mother, father, cousin, friend, whatever, your biggest support system in life has passed away. And even though he might have known it on the inside a little bit when he left that that might have been the last time, he wasn't really feeling like that was going to be the last time he ever saw his mother. So you can only imagine him going through all of this and then you have to come back and deal with the funeral. And then for whatever reason, you know, Chow is fed the hell up. She is fed up with all the shit. And she finally sees him by happenstance, sees him, you know, make out with a guy and she just goes ballistic. And with with this day and age, as fast as social media goes, uh, it doesn't take a long time before anything to catch wildfire. I don't even go on social media that much, and I know it's it goes pretty fast and stuff like that. So for him, 
for her to put put that out there on social media within minutes of it being everywhere and it being a story and stuff like that is not you know far of a stretch of imagination but you know this is this is his uh this is deep for him then he has to gain up the courage while still mourning over his mother he has to gain up the courage to stand up to his father the person who you know this it doesn't show as of a relationship on on this on this like in the words that I put in here but in the backstory you know that you know his dad was also somebody that he loved and cared for and stuff like that but you know he was pushed by his father to be you know great as something so who knows how all the bonding moments that they had you know before this whole situation with the whole you know the gay stuff so it's it's almost like he might as well have been having two funerals you know his mother and his father because now his father wants to disown him just for who he chooses to love and that's just an unfortunate thing you know um so yeah that's it that's goat episode three hope you guys liked it and um we're gonna get to the end of this within probably another three episodes or so we're only at a page about 100 pages now but yeah so i hope you like it man leave me a message or um yeah leave me a message on instagram at michael period mcmillan that's at michael period m-c-m-i-l-l-o-n or my email is m double z a-c-k-199 at gmail and um i'm glad you guys are listening man it's just a it's really really been a great time writing this and actually it's been a, it's been a second since i finished it so like i'm almost living it at the same time as you guys are living it because um i i haven't you know once once I get done with my writing process, first of all, you're never done with the writing process, but once I decided that that's as far as I was going to take that story and I move on to other stories, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's it's a weird thing. Like, it's you're almost detached from it. Like, it was such a, an intrinsic part of you for, for, for that period of time where you were creating it and making it and all the ideas and stuff, and then all of a sudden, you know, you move on to the next. And I really do feel it's like the universe working through me and using me as a as a vessel to put the story out there just like any other author or you know poet or anything like that so uh yeah so we're gonna finish this up within another week or so i'm gonna try to record these a little bit you know more frequent but anyway i'm now i'm rambling so i'll get out of you guys' hair thank you so much for listening again this is dialogue heavy with george truly i will talk to you later peace bye see ya later yeah